You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can find notes for this message along with more information about our church by visiting church2911.com. Here's our lead pastor, Rick Hand, with this week's message. So today, we're going to talk, last, last of the service, we're going to talk about the relationship between parents and children, okay? Now, um, I'm going to say something for you who don't have kids in just a moment, so don't check out on me, all right? Uh, let me remind you of some of the things that we've said uh, in, throughout this, this sermon series. Is relationship is the way in which people regard and behave toward one another. That's what we're talking about, defining relationships. But it's about responsibility, which is a moral obligation to behave correctly toward or in respect of. So you see how those two things connect. And every healthy relationship has a foundation of responsibility. And, I, and I've mentioned a couple of times in the services, in the sermons, uh, as we're just getting started, is that there is only one healthy relationship that is completely one-sided, and that is a relationship between a parent and an infant. Now, let's sit there for just a moment and think about this, okay? Because when, you know, when you've got an infant, I mean, they can't do anything except ask for stuff. You know, they cry or whatever, and they just ask for stuff and ask for stuff. But as soon, and, and, and you need to hear this, okay? Some of you young parents, you need to hear this. As soon as they are able to respond in any way, they have the responsibility to respond. As soon as they have the, the, the ability to somehow respond to say thank you, they need to start saying thank you. They need to start appreciating what. And if you don't do that early, you're going you're gonna to always be trying to catch up, okay? And, as, and so as soon as they have the ability to respond in any way, they start having responsibility in the relationship. And then that responsibility grows. I mean, it's, it's like this at the beginning, and then it slowly grows until eventually in a lot of situations, maybe most situations, if the parents live long enough that the responsibility of the child exceeds the responsibility of the parent. I mean, a lot of you, you see that happening in some of you in your lives. It goes that way. And so, but it's always reciprocal. As long as the other person has the ability to be able to respond in some way or to, to, to do something, then they have the responsibility to do it, okay? So don't forget that. All right. Now, you've heard me say, if you've been around here a little while, you've heard me say this, that when you're single, you single adults, listen to me, you, when you're single, you're number one. You don't, have, you don't have to worry about anybody. You know, you should, you should be worried about other people like evangelism, reaching out, that kind of thing. But I mean, you're number one. You don't have to ask anybody what you put on the grocery list. You don't have to ask anybody if you're going out to eat. You don't have to ask anybody what time to set the clock for. You don't ask, have to ask anybody, what do you want to watch tonight? You don't have to do any of that. You're number one. But you get married, what happens? You become number two. You have a kid, you become number three. You have another one, you become number four. You know, if you have more, you just keep going down the line, down the line. You start having grandkids, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, on and on and on. And you never get back to position one ever again. You're just lucky if the family pet doesn't get up above you, you know, in that <laughs> ranking order right there in your life, all right? That's, that, that's the reality of it, okay? So thinking about that, you get that? You, if you disagree with that, I really want to have an argue, I, I mean, a, a discussion with you after service or, or, or sometime this week, okay? Might be hard after service, we've got 101 today, but, but sometime this week, we, we need to talk about that because that's the reality. When you get married, you're saying, I'm number two. And when you have a child, you're saying, I'm number three. And, you, you, and knowing that you're going down, okay? 
So that to set up this next slide right here. Your marriage is your most important earthly relationship, but your kids are your most important responsibility. Now, a lot of us have a hard time understanding how I do that. You know, my marriage is my most important relationship, but my kids are my most important responsibility. And we have a hard time understanding that. But it just means, and I'll kind of explain that here in just a second. It just means that, yes, my relationship, I got to be closest to my spouse, but I've got to make sure I take care of my kids more than anything else that goes on in this world. Now, do we get that? Do we really get that? Your kids are your most important, not not just yet, but your most important responsibility. I'm sorry, Beverly. Uh, Your most important responsibility. Let me say that this let me let me be in your face here and i might be in your face a lot today okay let me be in your face here if you don't get that then don't get kids please if you don't understand that then please don't become a parent because that's it you know it is really cool it is really awesome to have a a newborn and, and to have that little boy running along behind you and wanting to be just like dad and you know and all that kind of stuff it is really awesome but that's not what parenting is Parenting is about putting yourself second, third, fourth, fifth, whatever, for the rest of your life. And if you don't get that, then please don't get kids. Please don't do that. All right, now let me show you. And you may say, well, I don't agree with that. Let let me show you. I think you'll agree with me because here this first one says your child depends on you for food, clothing, housing, and education. Right? If you don't go to work, they don't eat. You know, if you don't go to the grocery store, if you don't cook, if you know, if you don't make sure that the cupboard is full, then they don't eat. They depend on you for all of those things. If you don't pay the power bill, you're not the only one sitting in the dark. They're sitting in the dark. Our power went off yesterday morning, two minutes after we got out of bed. You know, and it kept trying to come back on, kept trying to come back on, you know. And uh, and 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 David was supposed to be here to work the coffee shop. And so, you know, we, we ended up coming over here so she could... You know, because I mean, it takes me about two seconds to fix my hair on the morning. It takes her a little longer than that. So she, we came over a little early for that. You know, and, and so, but, you know, but if we, when we still had kids at home, we wouldn't just be the ones having to deal with that. Our kids have to deal with that. So when we don't do those things, our kids are the ones that, we get that, right? Right. We get that, that the most important responsibility is them. Because they can't do that for themselves. And you're the person that brought them into this world. You're the one that God gifted them to. And so you have the ultimate responsibility. Okay, here's the second thing. It goes a little deeper. Your child looks to you for love, acceptance, value, and validation. If y'all had about three hours today, I would preach every thought in this sermon. But I don't have time to break them down. That's why these kinds of sermons are so important for you to go back to the sermon notes later this week and look through all these things and think what every one of those words actually means. Your kids look to you for love. They look to you for acceptance. They look to you for value. They look to you for validation. If you don't give it to them, they're going to be looking for it. There used to be an old country song, looking for love in... If you don't give it to them, they're going to be looking for that in all the wrong places for the rest of their life. They are dependent on that. You have the responsibility, first of all, to your kids above everything else in this world. And here's the the third thing. It goes just a little deeper. Your child needs from you spiritual leadership, truth, 
They need example. They need discipline. And I, I won't stay there, but I want to stay there for a little while. They need discipline. They don't need discipline because they're bad kids. They need discipline because they have to, uh, I said I wasn't going to preach all these little things right here. They need discipline because they're going to have to eventually start forming their own discipline and the way they self-discipline themselves. And so if you hadn't disciplined grow, them growing up, they'll never have it in their life. So maybe some of you are thinking, wow, that sure explains a lot in our world today. They, are, they, they need from you that, they need, uh, and they need wisdom, and they need grace. And, and let me tell you something. That's one of the toughest ones, I think, sometimes. Because we, we're supposed to guide them, and, you know, but we've got to give them grace, and it's hard sometimes. You know, let me tell you something. It gets easier. When you have grandkids, it's a lot easier to give them grace than it was for your kids, okay? It gets easier, right? But it is hard. It's hard because you've you, you got to tell them. You've got you to make sure they stay in line. You've got to discipline all that. But they need grace from us also. They need all those things. So, you, so now do you see why your most important responsibility is them? Because you are the one that are, is going to give them these things more than anybody else in this world. You might, pastor can't give them all these things. Your, your parents can't give them all these things. You have the responsibility. Now, so what we've got on the screen right now, there in front of us, is the relationship defined. That's the proper relationship between parent and child. And you see, it, the, the, the biggest responsibility is on the parent, but the child also has that responsibility that begins to grow to be appreciative of all those kinds of things. They're not in here. Now, some of your teenagers are, and, uh, but the kids aren't in here to start for us to talk about that. I'm talking to mostly the parents today, okay? And for the teenagers that are here, I'm talking to you mostly because one of these days in a few years, you're going to be having kids, so you listen to this. So I'm talking about your side of the responsibility today. That pretty much defines the relationship right there. Is this right there? But I, I, I want to now step on a little further. And I, I, I mean, I could have spent, you know, looking right there, I could, I could spend three weeks just on those three points right there. But we got to go on to other things on a Sunday morning. We can't stay with all this and just go and go and go. So here's what I want to share with you. I want to share with you three things that you need to do. Not if you just want to be a good parent, but if you want to parent a Christian kid. If you want to raise a Christian, if you want to raise a or two or three, however many you have, if you want to raise children who are Christian adult, then I want to share some things with you. And I believe everything I, I, I'm going to say to you in the rest of this sermon is, is backed up by Scripture. You'll see some Scripture throughout here and if you got question about anything ask me please send me a text talk to me after service whatever but I'm not just talking from the basis of scripture I, I want you to hear this also is um, brace yourself for those of you who don't know I'm 61 years old okay I didn't want anybody to pass out you know, okay I'm 61 years old I've raised my kids uh, I have grandkids now and and so, you know, you, you know, we look at that and we say, okay, well, he's raised his kids, all his kids, all his grandkids are in church today, so maybe pastor's got something to tell us. Okay, so yeah, I've got that. I've got that experience. Let me tell you what I've also got. I've got the experience of observation. Dava and I have worked with youth, I, I don't even know how many years, I'd have to count it up, as, as kids pastors, as youth pastors. I mean, we were, we were working with kids before we had kids. You know, because then we had all the answers, right? And uh, then uh, we were as, as youth pastors and then serving as state youth education directors for 
our denomination we grew up in uh, for in several states. So we've worked a lot. So, so, so what have I observed? I have watched kids raised in the exact same church and youth group that I was raised in. And I've watched them not stay in church or not pass on their Christianity to their children. I've watched parents of kids that I'm working with on, in a youth group and I've watched parents and, and how they've acted and how they've gone through things and, and how they've handled the situation of their relationship, their responsibility. And I've seen a lot of what works and I've seen a lot of what doesn't work. And so I believe this is backed by scripture, but I want you also to know this is from a lot of observation that I've experienced through my years of ministry. So I want to share three, three things with you that you're going to need to do if you want to raise kids who will be Christians for the rest of their life. You know, we got that promise, Proverbs 22, 6. Don't, don't, don't quote it. If you don't know what Proverbs 22, 6 is, then you need to go find it and you need to memorize it. You're going to need to pray it for the rest of your life over your kids, okay? Proverbs 22, 6, we have that. But getting there is about three things. And here's the first one. Is, and this was something that David said when she said this, said, that's the word that I need to use in this message. We were talking about, we were talking about a, a family that's having trouble with a, one of their children. And, she, and I said, I really don't know what to tell them because I want to back them up in time and say, you got to get back here 10 years ago and do this. David said, what they need to do is they need to immerse their child. Immerse. They need to immerse their child in the church. Okay, let's talk about that. Because here, we need, we need, we need to immerse our children in the church because even, y'all know who Moses is? Y'all ever heard of Moses? I mean, everybody knows Moses, right? The Red Sea and all that, the plagues of Egypt. I mean, you know, he's throwing down uh, sticks and they become snakes, picking them back up and they become sticks again. I mean, he's calling these plagues down. I mean, all this, over 800 scriptures reference Moses in the Bible. Who can tell me something? Don't tell me right now. We, I, I don't have time for the interruption, but just raise your hand. Who can tell me something about Moses' kids? Can you, get, can you tell me their names? Can you tell me what they did? I mean, I've seen a couple of hands go up. You know what? There are a handful. I mean, like, I think four scriptures that tell us something about his kids and grandkids. Four scriptures. Even Moses, as important as he was to, to Israel, as important he was to the Old Testament, as important he was to the Torah, the law, yet he didn't get a do-over with his kids. As a matter of fact, the, uh, the Midrash, which is like a, a, an old record of, uh, of the, the, the oral teachings that they had, they, it, it, is, it is said there in the Midrash, you know, not in the Bible, but in the Midrash, not in the Torah, but in the Midrash, it is said that Moses asked God for his kids, his two sons, for them to replace him when he retires from leading Israel. And that God replied this, your, your sons... They were not involved with the Torah, the law. You and I would say the Bible. The Bible that they had. They were not involved with the Torah. And because of that, they're not fit to lead. And so that's, you know, Moses needed to hear the first part of this message. That your number one responsibility is to your kids. And if we don't take advantage of that, respo that responsibility, if we don't take advantage of that opportunity, we could be, end up like Moses. Because it's not enough. It's not enough, what Moses found out. Having kids around godly things isn't enough. Having them around, we need to immerse them into godly things, not just have them around it. 
Okay, so here's a couple of ways that we do that. One of those is we immerse them into church. Now, what is the church? This building? This service? What's the church? Christians. We're the church. So when we say immerse them in a church, we're saying immerse them. You know, I think that's some way that we, why it's important that we understand this building or the service is not the church because when we say immerse in the church, some people think you got to make sure they're here every Sunday. That's not all of it. We need to immerse them in the church, and we are the church. They need to be immersed in this. I, I, I can't tell you how important Sunday school was to me. And I don't mean that it was to me. I mean that it is today because of the teaching that I got in Sunday school, because of the foundations that I got. You know, and I, I can probably tell you about three things that I specifically learned, you know, but it's not like. There, I can tell you that that's all I got out. No, there's so much that I got out of that because foundation was laid every single Sunday as they were telling me. So here's three things to do to help immerse your kids in church. Number one, steer them toward Christian kids. I also can't tell you how important it was for me to be a part of a youth group because the youth in my youth group, they were not perfect. But you know what? Because we began to be a cohesive kind of unit, we pulled for one another. We didn't know it. We didn't know that's what we were doing, but we were pulling for one. And when one of them messed up, you know, one of us messed up, you know, we, we encouraged that one. We tried to bring them back in, you know, if they weren't there or whatever, and, and that was important. So, you know, you're not going to stop your kids from having friends, and you don't want to, right? But what you do want to do what you should want to do if you want to raise christian kids who become christian adults you need to steer them toward other christian kids they're not going to find them just doing whatever and wherever and whenever with whoever they're only going to find them when you steer them toward christian kids all right here's here's the second thing that a way of immerse is help them develop relationships with older christians i can't tell you how many older christians i have like in my cell phone, I have their contact information. I have a lady that I've known, I was counting up, just, just for this sermon, I was counting up. I've known her for, I believe, 36 years. And I, I reach out to her about once every couple of years or so. Because I know this is a lady, she sleeps about four hours a day. I have prayed, God, let me do that. Well, how much could I get done? She sleeps about four hours a day. So she is up really early every day. She is a prayer warrior. And when I get into one of those situations, I've got somebody I can reach out to. Don't you wish your kids, when they get to be your age, they've got someone like that, that they can pick up the phone and say, hey, I need prayer today. I've got, I've got multiple people like that, people that I can call for advice, people that I can call about Scripture, because, because I, I had the help of my parents Developing relationships with older Christians. And here, here's the third thing to do with it, immerse them in the church, is to work in conjunction with kids and teen ministry. Now, here, what does that mean? Uh, immerse them in the kids or teen ministry at 2911. Or if you're a visitor and you attend somewhere else, wherever, wherever it is, immerse them in it, meaning that don't pick and choose. Well, I, you know, I don't think my kid's going to be really into that thing. I don't think my teen's really being, no, immerse them in it. Let them try it. You know, everything we do isn't, and uh, I, I mean, everything I try or everything you try in life, everything you try in life is not, you know, a 100% success, right? 
But we need to try a lot more things. We need to be involved in a lot more things. We need to connect with a lot more things. Just, just to have the experience of doing it. I was just having this conversation with a preteen just this week. and said, you know, we, even if we mess up, it's just, it's just good to have the experience of trying. To, so immerse your kids. Work in conjunction with the kids and the teens. Have them. If I, if I had a kid, I, I mean, I, I want to say if, but I, I don't say if because I do have kids. And I tell you that we didn't pick and choose. We immersed them into the kids' program. We immersed them into the teen program. So that they would, they would have community, they would have connection, they would have good Christian friends, and they would understand when, I, you know, I really don't like this or that. They would understand those things and, and say, but this is important to somebody else in this room, so I'm going to do it anyway. Immerse them in, and, and because, I'm going to tell you, if you are a parent of a child at 2911 or if you attend another church, at, at your church, volunteer in some way for kids or teen ministry, wherever your kids are. I know you say, well, I, I can't teach, and I, you know, I can't really work with kids. On, I, I didn't say do that. I said talk to Becca today or talk to Justin today and say, I need to help because I need to immerse my kids. I need to immerse my teens. I need to immerse them into this. How can I help? Because I guarantee you, if you say, I can't teach, I can't be here on Wednesday night, you say, I can't do those things, how can I help? I guarantee you there is something that they can find that you can do that will support kids or teens ministry. And you, you need to do that because you need to know what's going on and you need to work in conjunction with that. Okay, so let me wrap all this up by saying this. I spent a lot of time on this first one. Second two are kind of quick, okay? This immerse thing because I don't think we get it. Because we don't know the difference in dip and immerse. Y'all know what dip is? You know, I'm not talking about that little pinch that you put between your cheek and the gum, right? That's a good example there, though, little pinch. Sometimes that's the way our dipping is. It's like a little pinch. But really think about it. You know, in another month or two, you know, you're thinking about maybe getting in the swimming pool, right? So what do you do to go to, to check to see if it's, if it's okay to get in the swimming pool? You dip your toe, right? Now think about that. You dip your toe, right? Your toe is the only thing that is committed to the pool. Oop, but for just a moment. Not yet ready. Now think about that. And think about how that relates to how people sometimes, yeah, I've been thinking about getting in a church. I've been thinking about, you know, trying to start praying with my kids. I've been thinking, you know, and it's dipping. Now, dip and immerse, it's not just, so you think probably the level, because your, your whole body is not yet, think about this, your whole body is not yet committed, not committed to this thing wholeheartedly yet. But it's not just the level, like just not just my toe, but my whole body, but it's also the length of time. How long does the dip take? Well, if it's really cold, it's like this, right? But when you're immersed, think about how we use the word immerse. That we go out into the forest to be immersed in nature. You know, we don't run in and run out. Some people live that way. They are immersed. Or, or your hobbies, right? You get immersed in your hobbies. You almost live for them, you know, and you want to, or, or get immersed in study. You know, some of you are like that. You know, I did pretty well in school, but I was done with that when they said, you know, handed me that little piece of paper, you know. But some of you, you're still immersed in study. I mean, that's just who you are, right? And that's what we're talking about here, the difference in different immersed. And here's, 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 here's the trouble that I see a, 
a lot of us go to a lot of mistakes that we make is a lot of parents are dipping their kids on Sunday morning. And you, and you see, the, the, the very worst of this is when you see a family and you don't see them for a while, they have a problem, and so they dip back into church. And after a week or two, maybe three, they're gone again. Why? Because being in the presence of God has power and it has effect on your life. And so if you're struggling and you just dip into church, I mean, that, it helps. And, and, and even if you have that, have that spiritual umbrella up, you know, like I, I, I mentioned last week, or I talk about several times, you know, and you say, I don't want any of that. Even just being here is therapeutic, right? Being around people and talking to people and having people like you, having a good cup of coffee, right? All those kind of, the songs, the music, it's therapeutic. And so you can feel better just by coming. And so that's what people do. They dip in, they feel better, and they don't need it anymore. I've watched this in my very first church that I pastored. There was a lady, and let me just say, she was demonstrative in her worship. Okay? Now, this was back in the day when we did Sunday morning and Sunday night service. And Wednesday, yeah, my very first church, I was having to prepare three sermons every single, every single week. I was struggling, man, <laughs> you know, brand new pastor and all that. But we did Sunday morning, Sunday night. And when this, when this lady would begin to get very demonstrative in her worship, as she would, and I won't describe that for you, I'll just let you imagine what it is you've seen in the past, right? You know what I knew? I learned pretty quick. Is if she got really demonstrative in this service, we wouldn't see her until she had another problem. And just like a lot of people live payday to payday, there are a lot of people like her that are living problem to problem. They're dipping into the church, dipping in for a moment. Proverbs 22.6 that I'm not going to tell you because you need to memorize it. If you don't know what it is, if I say that and it doesn't come to your mind, you need to memorize this as, as a parent. Proverbs 22 and 6 is a great promise. But it has nothing to do with dipping in every once in a while. It is about immersion. It is about immersing your family into God's church and everything that is about Christianity. Okay, so let me, I, I almost want to say this is the most important, but it's not because all three of these are important, even though I'm only going to spend a little bit of time on these last two. But I'm going to give them to you. And here, the reason I'm going to take this next one I'm going to talk to you about, the reason I'm going to it, and I'm just going to hit it real quick because I'm going I'm to preach this whole, go ahead and bring it up, uh, Beverly, about prayer. I'm going to preach all of this to you really soon, okay, in an upcoming sermon. Like I told you last week, I'm going to be preaching about gifts real soon, and so I didn't spend a lot of time there. I'm not going to spend time here because of that, but I, I want to read through these really, that we have all these ways to pray, right? All these ways. And, and, and can I ask you, do you realize how much prayer goes into a church service? Do you realize how many times we have prayed already today? together if you were here at eight o'clock when the prayer when the um, worship team began their warm-up you would have been part of six prayers already today that's how we how much we believe in in prayer and we're not done we're gonna we're gonna pray again before we close this service we believe in the power of prayer and there's so many ways to pray and some of you say well prayers then mix it up like prayer closet or proactive prayer this this is the one place i want to stop for just a moment say this and the rest of them I'm going to read and I'm going to go on. Crawl into your kid's bedroom in the middle of the night when nobody else knows, just you and God, and pray proactive prayers over them. 
pray protection, pray security, pray blessings, pray for an early relationship with Jesus Christ, and pray the proactive prayers over them. And believe God. I heard someone say just a couple of weeks ago, I threw this in my notes real quick, right? Is they were talking about how they were praying, their children who were not even dating yet, they were praying over their future son-in-law and their future daughter-in-law. The person that's going to marry my, they were praying blessing over them. They were praying wisdom over them. They were praying direction over them. That this, the person that they're going to end up with, God, I pray this over them. So, they get, you know what, and I, I think that probably swings two ways right there. Probably helps out in two different ways if they're dating somebody good or they're dating somebody bad. Pray proactively. And then a prayer language. We'll talk about that soon. Pleading the blood on the front porch. I love that, that illustration. I've used it here. We'll talk about that effectually and fervently, without ceasing, without wavering, or the Job prayer. Okay, so I'm going to wrap this up, this part up, and i got one more little quick one we're going to go through, okay? But Job, what do we know about Job? I know you think about Job. He's the guy that suffered and all this. But, you know, God noted Job as a one-of-a-kind guy, a man of, of moral integrity. Here's what I want you to note about Job. In Job chapter 1, verse 5, look at this. When these celebrations, when his, when his kids had parties, when these celebrations ended, sometimes after several days, Job would purify his children. He would get up early in the morning and offer a burnt offering for each of them. For Job said to himself, perhaps my children have sinned and have cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular practice. You know, I, I kind of almost wish we put periods in there you know how you do that like your social media posts this period was period job's period right it was his regular practice to pray just in case not wait until my kids come to me and dad i've messed up but just in case praying those kinds of prayers we're going to talk about prayer here real soon but i wanted to give those to you because they're so important to parents right here is praying proactively praying job prayers Okay, here's the last thing, is being an example. Your kids, if you want to raise Christian kids that become Christian adults, you need to immerse them. You need to, um, you need to pray over them and with them, and you need to be an example. Okay, four things real quick. Make sure your kids hear you pray. They need to, they need to hear you pray. When, when Dave and I were working with kids in our, in our home church, we were over the kids' ministry, and... Um, we didn't even have kids yet. And David, David told me uh, one day I was not there where they were feeding them a snack. And they always, you know, they want to teach, you know, thanking God, asking the blessing, thanking God. And so they always ask a kid. Now, we had this one man in our church talk about demonstrative in worship. He was scary demonstrative in worship. I mean, you know, I mean, he just really was. I mean, you know, he was just, man, he just really got into it. He was just the guy that... That, you know, uh, I, I had a cousin said he had, to he had to repent one day because he saw him coming down the street. And he said, I went across the other way because I was afraid we would have church right there. You know, y'all know some people like that? Okay, well, he had a grandson that was in our kids' ministry. And he was the one that, you know, raised his hands and he wanted to pray. And David said, she just told me, this is how he started. We all bowed our heads, you know, we're used to normally, God, our Father, something like that, right? She said, we bowed our heads and he said, oh, God! <laughs> Where do you think he learned that? Your kids will learn to pray when they hear you pray. You need to let your kids, you need to make sure your kids hear you pray. Also, you need to make sure they watch you worship. I love the fact that we get to have our kids in worship right now. We may not get to do that 
for much longer. We don't know. We've, we've thought about stopping it several times, and we haven't yet. Take advantage of this. They need to watch you worship. Not as a show, but to get it. Because you stand there and you don't worship, you're teaching a lesson still. We're teaching a lesson when we, we have our kids in worship. They need to watch you worship. Fourthly, uh, they let, you, let them see you sacrifice your time and your money. Man, I wish I had 15 minutes here. I don't. They, they need to see you set aside your time and your money for somebody else that needs them. And you know what? They also need to see you set aside their time for somebody else. That sometimes you might go to them and say, oh, I am taking a little bit of time here. But they need, you need to go to them and say, listen, I know I said I'd take you to the park today, but. I know I said we'd go to a movie this afternoon, but. I know I said I'd work with you on your car this afternoon, but. Our neighbor or someone in the church or a widow has this need, and you know we can work on your car tomorrow, but I've got to go help them today. They need to see you do that. They need to be a part of understanding that they are not number one in this world and to learn sacrifice from you. Because I'm, I'm going to tell you, all these years of experience, if you don't teach them sacrifice, whoever their pastor is, is going to be beating his head up against the wall to try and, he try and help them understand commitment and sacrifice and to understand how, how that goes. And here's the last thing. They will know your heart. Whatever you want to show them, that's not what, they'll know your heart. They will, they will know what's really here. You can act it out, but they're going to know what's really there. So make sure these things are real before you do them, but do them. Pray because it's in your heart to pray. Worship because it's in your heart to worship. Sacrifice because it's in your heart to sacrifice. They're going to know what's really in your heart. They're going to learn it. They're going to see it. Thanks for listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a need, we would love to pray with you. You can connect with our prayer team by emailing prayer at church2911.com or by texting 205-476-2911. You can learn more about our church by visiting us online at church2911.com and by connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram at Church2911. We hope this message has encouraged you and reminded you that God loves you and has an amazing dream for your life. As always, we dare you to dream.